Hola, and welcome to the Align Podcast with Audrey. Get ready to go behind the scenes and uncover the secrets of what it takes to become an exceptional woman. Join me as we deep dive into the nitty gritty of daily practices that build the foundation for success and happiness. From faith to fitness, mindset work to daily disciplines, we'll explore it all. This podcast is specifically designed for women who are ready to unlock their true potential. So grab your favorite drink, get comfy, and let's embark on this journey together, uncovering the real day-to-day practices that shape extraordinary women. On today's podcast, I have someone who is very special to me. Alma Robles came into my life, I would say about two years ago. And the woman that I have sitting with me today is a woman that I don't even recognize, to be honest. She came to me because she had just gone through so many difficult trials in her life. And the woman that sits before me today is vibrant. She has such a clear and beautiful vision for her life. And I have to say, as one of my clients, I feel sometimes like I am being coached by her because the love, wisdom especially, that she brings to each of our sessions is inspiring. And I've cried with her and I've cried for her in listening to all of the ways that she continues to grow. So Almo, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Audrey. Thank you for those beautiful words. They really are very touching. Um, I am Alma Robles. I am a Latina woman who was raised by a very strong older woman and in her mid-40s when she had me. And I became her her love of her life, her mentor, her her caretaker, her interpreter. And all of that to say that she raised me to be able to withstand everything that that life has thrown at me um, and to also celebrate the good things that have come to my life as well. So today I sit here and yes, it's been a journey. Yes, Arju, we've had two years of, of being together. And as much as you have helped me, I'm glad to hear that I've helped you. Um, you inspire me very, very much. And uh, to see you as a mom of three boys and having raised quite a few boys myself, one my own and some stepchildren, I know how beautiful that that is to have been given the, the gift of being a mom of boys. Because to me, the mother that has boys um, that raises boys has been given the the job the the joy of bringing the next generation of men out into this world and what better way of working with that and making the next men that will be fathers husbands brothers to our women than us to know that what we need to give them so that they can flourish and be good men in this on this earth. So today I sit, stand here going, oh my gosh, looking back at all of that, I, I uh, have changed quite a bit. I have learned to put myself first, to give time to God every day, to, to go back to that because I've always had that. I've been raised 
that way. Um, my mom was very Catholic and I lived right across the street from a church when I was growing up. I was a, I, my hangouts were the church was going to help the nuns fix the school when school was going to start or doing activities at the, at the church dances or fairs. Um, so it's very near and dear to my heart. So Emma, can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, I want to say how, how old are you? Can you tell us how old you are? <laughs> I am 61. Alma is a very young 61. And I say that because if you listen to her and the stories from your marriage, from raising your son on your own after your divorce, from taking care of your mother, from maybe we could talk about Annette a little bit. Mm. You want to talk about Annette now? Let's let's go a little bit into some of the things that you've overcome and what happened when you first reached out to me. Where were you in that point in your life? And by the way, tell us where you work because you have a very stressful job. <laughs> but yes. the fact that you, you are with the mindset that you are today is incredible because it's a mindset in which so many young women do not have. And they, they go through life feeling like they're stuck and like, maybe it's too late for them, but your life is just so inspirational and the way you think and everything that you have ahead of you is incredible. Thank you. Um, yes. Well, I started pretty much, you know, being very young, um, finishing up two years of college and going full speed ahead into working in the financial this uh, industry and um, dealing with a lot of, you know, situations where it would be difficult for people to accept you as a Latina in that, in that industry and just continuing to prosper and going forward and, and not letting that deter me because I always wanted to have my home, my house, my, my family, and be able to provide for my family and my extended family, um, my mother and so forth. Um, so that was also something that empowered me to keep going. And I did. I, um, I always dreamt of having a home, having a family, having a, a, a partner, a husband, a house, and I accomplished all of that. I did. I accomplished it very, very young. I got married very young. How old were you when you, so this woman built her own house on her own. <laughs> Not that she built it herself, but she designed her own home, had it built at what age? I was living in the house that I designed and built at the age of 26. That is <laughs> phenomenal. Yes. And as you know, right, building your house at the, how hard is that right how hard of all those things and um the thing was I always wanted it right so it was always wanting that perfect family life perfect life mm -hmm. um I I grew up in an apartment building where we didn't even even we didn't have hot heat or hot water mm -hmm. um so in my vision was I'm gonna have a house and I'm going to be the one to make sure that it's everything is perfect and it works um so I worked really hard. And at the time, 
uh, my first husband and I got were able to accomplish that. But I was the one that was like, no, I, I want to go look at property. I want to see what we can build and what it intakes uh, to do that. And at 25, because I think it was like 18 months or so before, you know, everything got done. I'm talking to builders. I'm listening to what they want to do for the house or what they what they can and cannot do, or even going to seeing the, the structure, barely just, you know, lumber there and saying, I don't know, is that where the skylight's going to be? That looks a little small. You sure that's the right size? And the, the, the builder telling me, yeah, I think that's right. I go, no, that just doesn't look like it's the right size. And he would go and measure and he would come back and go, you're right. It's like six inches too small. I go, yeah, it looks a little small. And so looking at this now, I look back and I go, oh my God, how did I do that? Because I had no clue. I didn't even have a dad. I grew up without a dad. So for me to even have the, the strength or the, to be able to confront someone and say, no, you, I think you're, it's wrong, um, was, is amazing to me. But that's how much I wanted that. That's how much I um, in, wanted that dream to come true. And it did. And that to be said, um, it was great. It, it was a home that had a lot of who I was then and who what I wanted to accomplish. And, um, and it became a dream come true. That in itself um, turned into a situation where my marriage did not work when I was in my mid thirties. And so I saw myself having to leave the house that I so much wanted and so so dreamed about for so many years and and leave it behind and walk away from it with just my son in hand and starting with zero. And that was a time where I was very, very lost. Lost because I was so hurt, uh, so numb, so I couldn't feel. And all I could do was survive enough to make the day go by, making sure that my son was okay, that I was able to go to work, to figure out how I was going to get money to be able to leave, um, to also unwind myself from my home, my, my, my life, right? And leave that and start again at zero. And it took me a while, it took me like nine months to like come to that term. This is where a lot of women get stuck because you described it like the way you were raised with a single mother, without your father in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. you had this dream of how you were going to improve your life. Right. And you did something that very few people could do at such an early age while working in the financial district, which is a very high stress job. And then you accomplish all of this. You have the husband, the house that you built, your son, and then to see it all go away. Yeah. How did you deal with the death of that dream? I mourned it just as much as you would mourn somebody passing, right? Or uh, losing a soul that you loved. Um, I had to process it and, and I took my time. I took my time. Um, I didn't understand it then, but I just knew that I couldn't make a quick move 
without it, without considering how it was going to affect my child, how it was going to hinder his future. How can I make the move and make it okay for him and make sure he was going to be okay? That to be that saying that at that time I would get to to the point where I would be there were days where I would be very nervous, very anxious, very upset with myself with why you why can't you make a move? Why can't you just make a decision? Why can't you just leave? And I something in me was like, you gotta you gotta be ready for that. You have to be ready. And I gave myself that grace. I remember one time um, my girlfriend, who's very dear to me, didn't even know because I didn't speak to anyone about what was going on. It was just me and and in my in my heart and in my soul trying to deal with it. And it was you could see it. It was literally like oh, I was walking, I was uh, moving, I was doing my daily responsibilities but I was something was dead something was lost my spirit was gone my joy was gone and so it was very noticeable with people that were near to me and so my girlfriend one day said I don't can't called me over and came over and to the house and she said I don't know what's going on but I know that there's something wrong and it's okay you don't have to tell me but I want you to know that I'm here and whatever it is, you can get through it. And I said, thank you. Um, and she even said to me, wow, years later, she goes, wow, I have to tell you, I'm more of a pro, I'm, I'm reactive. She goes, I'm reactive. And you're not like that at times. But she goes, you know, I admire that because when you make a decision, you go for it after you've thought about it and you've thought it through you 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 don't give you don't do things that quickly in in jumping into it and it's funny because it's true i tend to sit with it and i also tend to pray a lot on it and ask god to guide me and lately all i say is god if this is for me you you'll make it you'll make it happen I want to ask you though, during this time, I think a lot of people, and I know I've been guilty of this, have the tendency to get mad at God because sometimes it's like, why did you let this happen to me? Why didn't you save this marriage? Why didn't you help me? You know how much I poured into this. How Mm -hmm. was your walk with God during this time in your life? I, I did have my moments where I asked him the same thing, but I was just begging him to, to just hold let hold on to me because it was it was a lot it was a lot to process this was not how I envisioned my life to be um and I did everything as I thought right and how can it not work um but you know you have two people going into a marriage it does not mean that both people have the same intentions right or have put in the same work and you can't have a marriage if one person is having a different mindset or a different goal than what yours are um so you either understand that and move forward or you stick with it and you lose yourself right 
And I think for a long time, I was holding on because that's what I wanted, right? That I did not want the broken marriage. I didn't want to not have the, a mother and a father for my son. So um, that was a process too. And I know you also really value marriage as, as a Catholic, the holy sacrament of marriage. Right. Right. I, yes, because when I got married, um, I got married through the Catholic church. I did not get married through civil. So I got my license and then got married through the Catholic church. And that in itself was big for me too, because I was like, wait a minute, how am I going to get a divorce? through civil when I really never was married civil. I was married through the Catholic church. And how am I going to feel like I'm divorced if I'm still married via the church? Um, so having to process that and then finally getting the civil divorce, which took forever, um, I had to fight through that, through so many different obstacles for quite a few years, I then got those documentations and I said, okay, so I'm divorced civil, but I'm still legally married in the Catholic church. How am I going to work with that? Um, and I, that, that weighed very heavy on my soul because I needed to have that taken care of. And so, um, I went and made an appointment. I spoke to a few, to the priest and we had some sessions and then I finally decided to um, pursue it, pursue an, uh, to get an annulment. And that was a trying situation too, because you literally have to write your life story, right? And um, rehash so much of what you went through, what you thought, how you're, you know, what backgrounds you come, how was your relationship, how many, you know, how long were you together, blah, 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 how did you feel, so forth. And that was rehashing. And so every time there was a rehash, it was a, also a time of processing and mourning and, and evaluating your, what you, how you felt, how you, um, how did you handle things? How can you do better? Um, what kind of person were you? What kind of person are you now? And at the end of it all, as long as it, it took a long time for me to get through all those steps, I felt it was very healing because I was able to see it all from start to finish. You were such a gift to me when I was going through the annulment process. So if, if you're listening and you're not very familiar with this, if, for Catholics, marriage is one of our sacraments. It's a vow we, we make to one another before God. Um, so there is no Catholic divorce. So if you get an annulment, it's not that you got a divorce. It's that you have to go through the church to go through a whole process that's at least a year to see was this marriage valid in the first place. So that's why it's an annulment. Because what Christ brings together, no man can separate, but was God in it from the beginning? So right. you and I were working together when I was going through my annulment process. And, and the way that happens is that you go to your pastor, then he sends you to the diocese 
to work with someone who's called your advocate and they help you tell your entire life story. So they're not looking at, okay, tell us about your marriage, what went wrong. It's like, tell us how you were raised. What was your upbringing like? What what were your parents like? What were you into? How did you think? And how did you meet your spouse? What was the relationship like? What was dating like? And they they make you go in depth into what your mindset was at that time, the people around you, what was the quality of your communication. And then there's this process in which they send you a questionnaire. I forget how many questions they are. All I know is that typed mine was 30 pages back and forth. Yes. And I called you because you were the only person that I knew that had ever been through an annulment that I felt comfortable talking to. And I remember telling you how I cried writing it because there's there's this part of you that as like as an adult, you you pray and you really look at your life and your circumstances. And as an adult woman, you know, okay, this isn't working and it's not even healthy for my kids. But there's that young girl that went into that marriage so excited doe-eyed with all of these visions and you never gave her a chance to mourn what happened and this annulment process is that and as two faithful women I know we tried so much we prayed so much we put so much faith in God as to you know making this marriage work because we we know that it's like it's scriptural you know so there's there's the shame and the guilt around it. So it, it feels like a heavy process in just that mindset that we have. So going to the church feels like, great, we went through this hard thing. Now we have to be judged by a priest on this mm-hmm. decision. And we think we're going to be judged. But like you, I found so much mercy. So we we send this questionnaire into the church and then they do their research and then they call you in for an appointment. And you sit with them. I felt so much compassion. I was like crying and not like crying out of shame or pain, but like, wow, I feel seen. Yes. I had the same experience. I um, was so scared. I think I had, I I had to go somewhere near like closer to Yonkers. I don't know. And um, I got a call from the, the woman, the woman that was appointed me. She was a nun. And she said, I would like you to come meet with me. It'll be like an hour or so. Um, and, you know, well, I'm going to set it up. So I went and I remember being so scared and praying to God. I was like the same. I was like, am I going to be judged? Is she's how, what is she going to say to me? Um, what's going to happen? And I ring the bell and I know I'm shaking. And I ring the bell and she comes to the door and she goes, Alma, I'm since so I've been so looking forward to meeting you. And I was like taken back by her kindness and such and such sweet way of talking to me. And she comes, come on in. And I don't know, maybe she saw that I was shaking, but <laughs> she was like, she goes, sit down. She goes, listen, let me tell you before we start. She goes, I read all of your documentation. And I wanted to meet you because I cannot believe all that you've endured and yet you continue to try to be a mother, a wife, and and a woman of God at the time of your life where things were not working out. And she goes, 
don't worry, we'll get through this and you're going to be okay. And she just helped me to calm down, um, to be present. And she started asking me questions. And she also explained a lot to me because as you know, with an annulment and with just the way you would think an annulment is, right? And being a mom, you always worry about what does this mean for my children or how are my children perceived through the church with an annulment? And I don't want them to have any, you know, con- you know, issues or feel uncomfortable with anything. And she explained so much to me with that. And, and you know, like you said, there has to be two people that are committed to this marriage. And if things aren't working and people cannot work together, then really the, you know, you you both didn't come into the marriage with the same mindset or the same wants of what a marriage should be or look like. So, um, so that was, that was healing for me at that moment. I was feeling like, okay, I'm being seen, I'm being accepted, I'm, I'm being heard. Um, and so it was an easy process with her. And when, you know, she said, okay, um, I want to tape a few things of our, of your questions. And then we're going to then take it to, to the, the people that, review the case and see and then come to a determination if you will be granted the annulment. So it was um it was scary because again, like you, I really didn't know anyone that went through it. Um I when I got those 30 some odd questions, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. <laughs> and like you every question could be two pages, right? Or, or so forth. And so when you end up with the documentation, it, you have poured your whole life into paper. And I think that's the way they also see it being healing for us, right? Because you are seeing how every step of your life works for the next one. And how that, then becomes your life story of why you did what you, how you experienced everything and how it all entwines with one another. It helps you have mercy on yourself. Oh, yes. And I, I, it made me also feel bad for people because, right, like I think when you go through a divorce and you get the paperwork back, you're like, okay, finally. Because it's like, it's toll emotionally and you're like, I'm so glad that's over. But it made me mourn also for people that don't go through an annulment process Yes, get a chance to really process the marriage and the end of the marriage. Right. Yeah, I agree. And it also shows you how much you, you know, either way, right. Um, It shows you how much you've might've accepted that you shouldn't have accepted or how much you didn't know or how much you were in, you weren't ready for marriage. Um, How, you know what you what you thought marriage was at the beginning isn't what you what it is for you now of what you want going forward so it does it does open up it brings light to so much of the the darkness or the heaviness that you carry through the process of getting the civil divorce 
and then having this healing process with the annulment. But like you, I also feel the same way when I hear people, oh, I got married through the Catholic Church, but I didn't go for an annulment. It's, and in my mind, I, I go, wow, that was so, it was a hard, it was hard to sit there and answer those questions and do the whole thing. But at the end, I felt such a release of happiness, of, of finally, finally being whole again in my, in, in my spirit, in my soul when I got the moment. Yeah, I really felt Jesus with me that day. Yeah. Before we got on the call, you said uh, one of your favorite images is Jesus as the good shepherd. Just yes. caring for you. Yes. I um, have always had that um, vision because we used to have like this little book at home. It was a, like a children's Bible book in English. And I would always look at that picture and go, oh, he's carrying the, the, the sheep and how cool is that? And then as, you know, getting older and going back into reading things, I go, wow, that's him being the good shepherd and always there to carry us through. And so I always vision him carrying me. And there's been so many times, right, that you feel like, wow, how did I get through that? And then I go, Jesus was carrying me because there's just no other way that I could um, have gone through all that I did without him being there for me. Um, there's, you know, the time, one time when I was really into figuring out what I was going to do with my marriage, I was driving somewhere out in Long Island in this um, very like foresty road. And I started crying and literally begging God to help me to guide me to where I needed to go and what I needed to do. And screaming, screaming at him like, I need your help. I need you to carry me. I can't carry myself anymore. And then at one point I just stopped the car and I went to the side of the road and I just went, God, just give me, give me the strength. I need you. And at that moment I felt the calm and, you know, people could say, oh, you were screaming. So you got it, let it out. Yeah, I did. But I also yelled at him too saying, help me, um, <laughs> guide me. <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> I always think that the closest relationships with God yell at him get yeah. angry him because you can only yell at someone that you have that intimacy with. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so many times, you know, um, I'm an, I survived nine 11 and in nine 11 going running up West street after calling the same girl, that my same girlfriend that had told me about her knowing that something was wrong with me. Um, she worked, in the same company but in a different building and I'm telling her you got to get out of there you got to get out of there um she goes okay she goes I'm gonna leave I said I'm going up West Street and seeing the people seeing the the fighters the the planes coming through and hearing all, all of it I all I kept saying is God please help me I need to be okay my mom is home and she, at the time my mom was just starting to get dementia and, and 
she, I knew she was alone in her apartment and I knew that she would have the news on and she would see it and she would be, know that I lit, worked there. I had just left my son in college um, that same weekend and I knew he was going to be in school and he would see it. And so the whole time running up West Street, all I kept saying is, God, please, please, please protect us all. Protect us, please, God. Guide me, get me through here. I need to take care of my mom. I need to take care of my son. And that too was so trying and traumatizing. And yet all I kept saying was, God, please, please put your hands in here and, and protect us all. So that also was how I even got home that day is beyond because seeing the two buildings literally fall right behind my back um the people the the amount of suffering it was it was a lot but yet a few hours later I walked to like 59th street bridge and walked home and got home I don't know how but it was it was a lot and yet I always was praying to God. So the, the 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 amount of faith, the amount of begging and praying and sometimes screaming at God is is real. <laughs> and and it has helped me because I um I have always asked him for help. You really are that sheep that he can Yes. 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 Alma, you 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 also deal with the loss of your mother. Yes. Yes, I did. I think a lot of women that are listening to this are probably in a situation where they see their parents getting older. So they're taking care of children. They're also taking care of their parent. Yes. Well, for me, it became very real and very quickly. My mom was older when she had me. So she was 42 when she had me and I was her first. Um, and then she had my sister three years later. But that being said, uh, my mom was very strong, very independent, very involved in the church, um, took care of my son from when he was six, when he was six weeks old to, um, to, uh, to when he went to, you know, started high school. And yet my, um, my son, hold on one moment, I'm sorry. My son, um, you know, his grandma was like his second mom. So to see her get older and need more help and not be as independent was very, again, very hard for me to accept. Um, and it came at a time where it was also very hard because I was going through my divorce and I was, um, dealing with a lot of having to take care of my son on my own, figuring out where we were going to live, and then also worrying about if my mom was going to be okay. My sister at the time had relocated to Florida. So a lot of that was a lot of ups, of uh, 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 uprooting and, and figuring out. But the other thing that was really hard was that there weren't many of my friends or my people that were near to me that were going through the same thing. I was one of the first of having to deal with that, of an older parent getting um, 
not being able to take care of themselves. And um, so that was hard. And no one could understand it, right? Because if you haven't lived through it, you have no idea what that entails and what the demands on you are going forward. Um, I would have to like some many days, get up super early, go to her apartment, make sure she was okay, make sure she would eat, um, take her to doctor's appointments. At first, we didn't know what, what was going on. Um, so doctor's appointments, evaluations, um, coming back in the evening, stopping at her apartment. Did she eat? Did she leave the stove on? Did she lose her keys? Um, so it was 24 hours a day worrying about your parent and trying to also be a parent yourself to your child and having a career or, or a job that was that's very demanding. So um, that there too, I asked God so many times to give me the strength to keep going um, and to also mourn your parent. That is the biggest, hardest task to do because when you see a parent slowly not be themselves, it's you're mourning them from from that moment, from the day that they start not being 100% themselves. And yet, you know that they'll never be the same. And they're right in front of you. They're not, they haven't passed away. You haven't buried them. They're there. And you have to now come to visit them, talk to them if they're still talking, but yet they're not remembering that you were there five minutes ago or that you were, that you saw them yesterday or that, that it's summer out and it's not winter, um, anything that they just ate, but then they're saying that they didn't eat. So all of these things you have to process and it takes a huge toll because that's your parent. That's the love, your loved one. Right. And in my case, that's the only parent I had. And she was so, so strong. And to see her slowly, lose her strength and her independence was very very hard for me to process yeah the, I can never talk to you without like tears <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know these are life journeys right and in, and these things looking at them now I appreciate people because of that I appreciate the elderly because what they give Yes, they can be a pain in the neck. Yes, they can be very demanding. Yes, they're opinionated. But what a legacy, right? To be able to say, oh, I had this conversation with them or they taught me this or they taught me how to cook. My mom was a great cook. So to me, when I cook at certain things that she made, I would always pray to her and go, mom, please let it come out the way you made it. I wanted to taste like yours because I that's pastelitos what I last year. Yes, yes. Always when I make pasteles, it's with her. That's my time with her. And I hear her in my ear, oh, that looks good. <laughs> or, you know, no, put a little more. Um, but yet it's my time with my mom. So listening to you, it just reminds me that it's the biggest lessons that can turn into the biggest joys of our life come through the moments of deepest pain. Yes. So 
Can you talk to us about the gift that Annette gave you? Yeah. Well, Annette came into my life right when I was in my huge depression of battling the divorce, um, trying to re-figure out what my life was going to be, where I was going to go. And she was very rambunctious. And she was very young. She was 20, 21, but she was already, she had just gotten married. Again, living the high life of being young and 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 getting all your dreams that, you know, conquering, you know, checking off all your goals and dreams that you've wanted for yourself. And she would do that. She was always very quick, very loud, spunky, loved music, loved house music, all this stuff. And um, she came to work for us at, at my at my company and became we became friends with an outing that we had one weekend they had us um go away for the for the weekend as a like a team building and she was deathly afraid to be by herself she would not sleep anywhere without someone being with her so that night when we were running around we were going to go sleep in this big mansion out somewhere in um the south of jersey and she was not having it she was like i'm not sleeping by myself and then they they put her in the top floor like by the attic and so she was like i'm not sleeping there i'm not sleeping there so I, she goes, can I sleep with you? Can I go and sleep with you together in the room? Because I can't, I can't be alone. I'm nervous. I said, so I was like numb because I was like, all I want is to rest. <laughs> um, I said, sure, sure, come. That woman, that whole entire afternoon was w walking around with her wheelie luggage, making sure that wherever I went, she would have a luggage so that she would come to to be he with me get away. He couldn't get away I, it was not leaving me um she was there and and that's how it started the entire time we were together she um she would always want me to be around her we became very close it was like having a, a younger sister to her she would say I was the mother that her mom wasn't um but we became comadres. I was the godmother of her son. But fast forward, she moves to Florida. We go back and forth. My mom actually went to live in Florida for a little bit. And so I would go every few weeks. And then at one point in her, she was like 35. She got renal cancer. She was diagnosed with renal cancer. She started with having pains in her back and not feeling very um, strong. And um, she came, she got the diagnosis and came to New York to get it, a second opinion. And sure enough, they told her that, that it was, and that it was stage three um, and that she was be fortunate to have six months. Annette would not accept that. And she would fight. She would do everything and anything to, you know, make that, go away her diagnoses and she fought hard and she survived four and a half years with it um Annette would call me every few days or every day at sometimes being anxious and 
anxiety driven about it. And so we would pray a lot and I would tell her to give it to God. And at one point she was angry and she the same question why these things happen. And she didn't want to die. She kept telling me, I don't want to die. She had three little ones, three little boys. She loved her husband. Um, and she, I said, listen, Annette, anyone could give you a diagnosis, but only God could change and make whatever your destiny is be. Um, they said six months, but who are they? They're not God. They don't know. And she, like I said, so did the, the four and a half years. But through that time, I kept talking to her and we would talk or I would go visit her. And she wanted to be, me to be there for her. She would always tell me, I need you. I, you, you make me feel calm. You, you're the only one that could control, could calm me down. Um, you're better than the social workers and the, and the therapists that I have. Um, and so we, we became, it was a huge, a very big bond. And she also taught me how to be spiritually carefree. Um, she was rambunctious. And at the time that I needed, I needed that at the at our beginning of our relationship. And then at the end, it was her needing me to give her spiritual health and spiritual um, strength. Um, when she had her, when she had her cancer, she had her kidney removed. She had me make sure that I was going to be there for her for that and that I was going to stay with her in the ICU um, through the time that she was there. So her husband and I would literally live four days in ICU freezing. Um, it was so cold in there. He would be sleeping on one side of the bed and I would be sleeping on the other. And that woman would, through all of her medication and and sleeping meds that they were giving her to so that she could recover, she would open up her eye and she would look to her left and look to her right to make sure that we were there. All of that um, came to a point when she when she was going to pass, but she she told me she loved me. She told me that um, I was strong. And then she had me um, promise her that I would do something else with my, with my life that you need to do you need to go into counseling. You need to do this because you do it so much better than anyone that I've ever had to um, live with, you know, go to and, and, and express my, what I've lived through. You have that. And I need you to promise to do that. But through that time, you know, I, I just took it as a grain of salt and, and stuff. But through the time that Annette was very sick, and she was at past going to pass. They said there's nothing much they could do for her. I went to see her uh, that day, the day before she passed. And I was at the hospital. And I prayed to God for months that let her accept her death, that let her accept her demise. And to be able to accept that, you know, her journey here on life was, was, was she had accomplished it. Um, and that night, um, when she left, when she was there, I told her parents and her husband, you know, you guys can go get set up at the house because they were going to bring her home. I'll stay here with her. And so I put on, I told her, I spoke to her. I told her I loved her. I said, do you want me to put meditation music on, on the iPad and put it under your bed? And she said, yes, um, yes, that'll be good. So I did that. 
I um I had brought some lotion that she liked and I rubbed it in her hand and her hand was full of tumors and it was on a pillow and I just put it on both hands, but she then raised the hand that had all the tumors and smelled it and said, Oh, it smells nice. And I was like, wow, I can't believe she moved that arm. Um, and during that night, you know, she was there, she was taught, she was looking up and all of a sudden I was in the sofa and she started like talking and she kept touching her hands and like nervously touching her hands, but looking and saying, okay, I understand. Yes. And I'm sitting there in the sofa and I went, God, I don't know. I know someone is here. I think you are here. Someone's here talking to her. Please, you know, don't let her go. Let her, let her listen. Let her accept. Let her be okay and be willing to accept what's going to be her next step. And I never got nervous. I was just in there and I'm going to sit here, God. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to get worried. Just get, let me get the strength to be okay. Because I know all of this is your will and, and, and you're here. And I sat there and I let this whole thing go through the entire night. The entire night. She didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. But it was very peaceful. And in the morning... She started passing and I had to call her husband and tell him to come and, you know, and, and be there with her. But she held on until she got home and saw her kids and then she passed. And it was so enlightening to me to see the whole process and to have helped her because I felt like I did in so many ways and cutting the, a lot of it off, but there were times when I was like holding on for her so that she could then say goodbye to her husband and her children. Um, and it was so spiritual to me, so spiritual to me. Um, and in the end, she just showed me how you have, you, 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 you have to accept, you have to be okay with God and be all right to say, I'm done here on this earth. I have to move on. And so she passed that day. And um, I um, I helped dress her, clean her, and, you know, combed her hair before she was picked up. And I always say, if I would have, if someone would have told me <laughs> a week before that, that I was going to do that, I always said, no, that wasn't, I wasn't going to do that. But at that moment, there was no question because when the nurse said, you know, I'm going to go help, I'm going to set her up so that she, you know, she could be picked up. I said, no, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And That's I was awesome. like, oh my God. That's yeah. Nice. Yes. Yes. You know, Alma, you have been through like, and there's so much more that we're not even touching upon in this podcast, but. <laughs> You have been through so many things. Just that alone is enough to keep someone stuck for the rest of their life. If they're not walking in relationship with God, if they don't have a growth mindset. And I think it's so beautiful that each of these things that you've gone through, you've turned them into a gift for others. So 
you contacted me because you want to become a coach yourself and use all of your life experiences to help other women through trauma. Can you tell us about that and how you view your life now at this point? Because I know that you get so upset when you see women your age hang up the towel, like, ah, oh, that's yeah. it, my life is yeah. done. Yeah. And listen, I'm not here to judge no one, right? I mean, everyone has their own like journey and what they want for themselves, which is great. I see it as, listen, for a long, long time, I had to, I was, you know, fight and flight, right? I was trying to survive, trying to be a mom, trying to be a, a daughter, um, working hard. So there wasn't a time where I was able to sit down with myself and say, okay, what does Alma love? What does Alma want to do for her life? Um, and working with you and working with others, others, because I have to, you know, say that I started with Nancy Ruffin and her Bible study and then started with you and then have Nadia to do my, my, you know, workouts with and, um, and Yvonne, who's enlightened me for so many other things, too. So all of these great women have been my journey the past couple of years. But you, Audrey, I find that I can work with because we have our our catechism and we have our Catholic upbringings that we can understand where we're coming from with certain things, right? Um, so that helps me so much and it helps me to, to connect to that going forward. Um, I um, So that has been a huge help in me going back into reading the Bible and trying to get that back into my life on a, on a daily. But the journey of working with women with trauma, because of Annette, I started, I went back after a few years after she passed and I got my master's in social work and I've worked with women and men, but now mostly women um, I'm with out. their master's in social work while working with wall street. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what? <laughs> yes. 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 Um, yeah. Um, I, I tend to try to kill myself slowly, but yes, um, I did. And through finishing it up when, the pandemic started and having to have to go zoom with it. Um, yes. So, and at first that wasn't easy because I have, you know, all my stuff is in business all my degrees and all that was business. So they were not too keen of me wanting to be accepted into a program. So that also was trying to, you know, prove myself with them. Um, but I did it. And for many, in many ways, like, how am I going to fit this in? How am I going to move it to, to be something that I'm happy with and that I'm proud of doing? So, you know, I do do per diem um, work with that, with, with certain communities and helping them talking. But I get fulfilled when I could speak to a woman or a girl or whatever that has gone through something and has had issues with connecting with, with someone and then having a few conversations. And if I see that there, that there's some hesitation, I always start my 
before I call or before I set up the meeting, I give it to God. I go, God, if you, I can help this person, give me the words, give me what I need to do to be able to connect so that I could give them hope. And there've been many a times I've been on calls or I've been in a meeting with someone and all of a sudden they're talking or whatever and we were conversations are going and something comes through with through me and I could pinpoint something for them and I could feel automatically that it's connected and that they now have this new way of looking at something. And it gives me so much joy that after another week or whatever, whenever they come back and they'll say, you know, the last time when we spoke and you said this and that, I had a situation where someone got me triggered or something happened. And I said, and I thought about what you said, and that helped me to look at it in a different way and give me hope to continue to to finish that day and to have hope that I can change this for myself for the better. I wish you guys could see the way Alma is lit up right now talking about <laughs> that is worth a million dollars to me. That in itself makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. And what makes me so proud of you is that, like I said, it's like everything that was meant to destroy you, you're using it as a strength now in Jesus's name to help mm -hmm. other women overcome so much. But it's also the way you've worked on yourself. So a question that I started with in this podcast and I've kind of forgotten, but I want to bring back to you is this uh, daily disciplines talk because you're also a different woman in the way you take care of yourself. So can you tell us what your prayer life is like, how mm -hmm. you're taking care of your body? Because Alma just had a really sexy photo shoot the other day, guys. Like <laughs> she, it, she looks so like, I wish I could share the pictures. Um, and what are you reading now? Oof. Well, I am, I'm going to tell you straight up. I am trying to read the Bible more on a daily basis for myself because I've never really done it that way before. And so I do the Bible in a year and then I also take it. And if if I have the, moment, the time in the evening, I'll, whatever was the scripture and stuff for the day, I'll look at it and, and, and work with that. But, um, so that's what I do. That's what I'm reading so far. Um, my day begins very early. I, you know, God bless or Audrey does five. I get up at four. Um, but I sit there and I just hit me. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, my day's crazy, so I need to um, give it the time, right? And I find that early in the morning, when I'm more alert and rested, I could focus more on my on my on myself before I give to others. So I um I'll listen to the podcast of of Bible in a Year. I pray, I meditate, and then I get up because nine, 99.9 percent .9 of the time I have training with uh, with. Nadia at 4.30 or 4.45. Um, and I know that I have to do it because she's going to be on that Zoom waiting for me when I go down to my family room. And so, um, and I do it. And 
there are many a times when I'm looking and going, oh my gosh, when is this going to be over? But that was more in the earlier days. Now I'm looking forward to it. And, and I look forward to it because I know it helps me. I know it, it's working. Um, when I first started with her, I would go, oh gosh, I hope she texts me that she can't do it today so I can stay in bed. But um, That's very that's real. That's very real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. None of us really want to do a lot of these no, things. No, but I do it. And um, a month ago, literally for my birthday weekend, she had, she offered a photo shoot for her clients, some of our clients. And we went, we met up in Rhode Island and we had a, a dinner. And then the next day we had a photo shoot and I've never done any of that before. And so for me to do that and get through that, was very exhausting to me. As I told you, that Saturday night I had to go to sleep because I was too tired from just believing that I couldn't believe that I got it done. And at the end, I was very happy with it. Um, and I thanked her for giving me that opportunity and letting me grow in that way. So I am doing the exercises. I'm doing my reading. I'm doing my coaching um, with Audrey, I'm doing coaching with, with Yvonne. Um, I am giving myself, setting up boundaries for myself for making sure that not to overextend myself when I'm feeling that I need time for me. And that's, that's big too, right? Because I've always given to others and not, and me never giving myself that first place of saying, you know what? How do, what do I want? What, what feels right to me? So that's a huge change. I feel like I want to live life to the fullest. And if I am, my legacy needs to be that I am going to help myself, but also help others. And if I could help others by letting them see that life doesn't end at 40, 50, 60, 70, then that's what I'm going to do. Because I can't see myself sitting and being, and listen, again, if people are happy with that, that's great. I feel like, no, this is my time to shine. And this is my time to find out who I am and speak up for what I believe in or help with others. Because if I don't do it now, when are we going to do it? This isn't a dress rehearsal. We only get one time. And that is a perfect way to end this. Alma, Thank you so much for your time. It's thank you for having me. It's a gift to me to have mm -hmm. someone like you in my life and to hear so many words of wisdom because it's such an inspiration. Oh, thank you. I, and I, a snippet of what it's like to have Alma in your life. Thank you, Audrey. Alma, where can they find you? This is something that we're working on. <laughs> If someone's well, listening, I'm to gonna this. take I'm gonna take a note from uh Yvette and say they can find me by coming through and speaking to Audrey right now. <laughs> Audrey's gonna have a busy phone <laughs> with so many women telling them that. <laughs> I am work in progress. And when I when God gives me the right time to do it all, I will. And it, it'll happen and hopefully soon which means she's working on revamping her social media. Yes. yes. They're working on, but it's going to happen and you're going to hear so much more from Alma. Very yes. soon.
I'm feeling, yes. Thank you. Amma, God bless you and God bless all of you listening. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And if you have any questions or you are interested in working with me or reaching out to Alma, please DM me. I would love to hear from you. And please like, subscribe, and leave a review if this podcast blessed you. Goodbye.